Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Testing, testing, one, two, three. How does that sound? Good, you good. Sounds great. Okay. All right. The Amazon Games promo, take one. In a world... We're a hybrid breed of mutant male savages are feeding on the barren lands of Mother Earth. A time where mankind has been replaced by womankind. A battle of epic strength will collapse a barbaric enemy. One woman dare to rise up and exceed the boundaries of the impossible from the literary phenomenon that inspired a generation comes a quadrilogy of one brave warrior who must fight for her land from BAFTA winning director Terence Pouncer the Amazon Games it's a broad new world wow I cannot wait to see that movie <laughs> Hello and welcome to The Last Laugh. I'm Matt Wilstein from The Daily Beast. Today on the show, Lake Bell. The clip you just heard is from her 2013 directorial debut, In a World, a movie that I love. I've been a big fan of Lake's uh, since she starred in Children's Hospital on Adult Swim and the very underrated How to Make It in America on HBO. Now she has co-created the new show, Bless This Mess, which just started its second season last month on ABC. Lake and her co-star Dax Shepard play a married couple who decide to give up their busy lives in New York City and move to a farm in Nebraska. It's a surprisingly funny and nuanced show, especially for network TV, something we talked a lot about in this episode. Um, You're also going to want to stick around till the end of the podcast for a great story about what happened on Lake's first day of shooting the movie It's Complicated when she had to act opposite Meryl Streep. If you like this podcast, we need your help. Please go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and review and tell us how you like the show so far. But now my conversation with Lake Bell. Oh, I, hey. can, I can hear you. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Well, uh, thanks for coming in and doing this today. Yeah, um, are you Are you based out here or are you in New York? i born and raised in New York, but yeah. I am based here. So, yeah. yeah. I'm... I'm uh, I am now. I mean, I've been back and forth, but yeah, I live. I live here. Yeah. I think it's imperative with kids to live somewhere where you don't have to sort of like trudge through sleet, like yeah. pee stained sleet, <laughs> in order to get from A to B. So yeah, but I was born and raised in New York. I, I don't know how my like my parents did it, but they don't yeah, live. I don't know how people raise kids in New York. It's crazy. Yeah, it's. I mean, I. It's cool. You know what I mean? I feel like you wear like a badge. You have mm. to tell everybody. Yeah, you know what I mean because you need credit. Mm-hmm. for doing it um and i give mad props to my friends who do it mm-hmm. one of my best friends since i was 15 lives out there and has four kids and lives in brooklyn and i'm just like you know i she was kind of like my mom mentor i was mm-hmm. like you're doing something right and um 
she had like all home births. So I was like, I'm doing home births, you know? And then mm-hmm. I was like, Jesus Christ, well, <laughs> that was a choice. Um, yeah. But yeah, so, so um, I, I, I'm very happy here. I think my husband too was kind of like, well, you can, you know, he's an artist. Mm-hmm. And, was he a New York guy too? Uh, he's from Louisiana. He's from like the bayou of Louisiana. Oh, okay. So he's like, has wrestled an alligator before, mm, right. you know, like without hyperbole. Like I, <laughs> like I, I remember meeting him and I was like, oh, we have like, Zero background in common. You yeah. Know? I was like the Upper East Side and, you know, my mom was like, be a debutante. And he was like, I'm going to swim in oil infested ga- gator waters, <laughs> you know, I was like, but that's what's cool, right? You so like, he likes it out here too? He loves it. Yeah. It's like, you know, he can have an art space, you mm. know, he can have his tattoo shop, he can dabble in all kinds of things in the same way that you can in New York, but with square footage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, is it true that you met your husband on uh, How to Make It in America? Yes. Yeah. I loved that show, that by show, the way. Thank you. That um, It's funny. There's been like a research. I don't know if it's like playing somewhere, but there's definitely like yeah. this little... I feel like it's pretty underrated. It's like under under the radar. Yeah. It was kind of... It was like the New York show before Girls. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Like um, we, we met there. He came on. Basically, the show kind of populated its um, guest stars and whatnot with authentic New York characters and mm. figures, you know, so that that are participating in the cultural kind of, you know, tapestry of New York at that time, mm. you know. And so, for instance, instead of getting, you know, my ta- my my character gets a tattoo and, you know, they're like, instead of getting an actor to play a tattoo artist, let's get like that guy, Scott Campbell, mm. you know. So I was like, great. <laughs> the like, tattoo artist. Yeah, yeah, the tattoo artist yeah. of New York City at, you know whatever and his industry he's like mm-hmm. you know fucking big deal he's big deal McGillicuddy you yeah. know what I mean I'd n- I didn't have any tattoos so I didn't yeah. know anyone or anything about that industry but I was like great sounds awesome like get that guy how and did he a, how did he give you a fake tattoo on camera if, uh, did he know how to do that or was um, that like yeah so he had yeah. been like the guy that people went to like Harmony Corinne would go to him mm-hmm. you know for what's it called the spring breakers you yeah. know like uh, for all those tattoos on uh, James yeah Franco. Um, you know, he had been, he does transfers all the time, mm-hmm. uh, for movies. Yeah. Um, uh, so, so, you know, he, I guess <laughs> he was very used to it. I think mm-hmm. what you had to do is first you had to draw it on. So, mm-hmm. you know, to kind of show the producers like, this is what it'll look like before mm-hmm. I make transfers, you know? Yeah. And so, um, he drew it. I remember like, I mean, do you want to hear it? was like kind of a dorky <laughs> romantic story, but basically yeah, I saw see. him in the... In the trailer at like 6 a.m., you know, because I kept hearing about this guy, Scott Campbell, Scott Campbell, and the producers, which are all a bunch of dudes. It was like mm-hmm. all that the same kind of entourage guys. Mm-hmm. Great sort of fun team to work with, but yeah. holy moly. Um, <laughs> and um, But I love Ian. Ian Edelman and I got along really well. He yeah. is the creator of the show. Mm-hmm. And Ian was like, I really think you should get the tattoo like kind of somewhere hidden, you know, like mm-hmm. by your fucking what, you know, like mm-hmm. on your hip or something, because then you don't have to deal with hair and makeup every day. You know what I mean? Yeah. That means you come in an hour earlier to, to like put it on because then you get you know, mm-hmm. I was like, I think it should be on the arm. Like, well, I want to live vicariously through my character and yeah. have a tattoo for once. And it was of pancakes and syrup, so mm-hmm. it wasn't even like a super hot, sexy tattoo. It was just like pancakes and syrup, which is kind of hot and sexy. Yeah. I mean, it's hot, at least, yeah. and melty, you know. Um, butter sexy in its own way. Um, uh, but anyway, uh, so so anyway, I walked in, and, and I knew he had to draw it on, and I saw Scott, and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> I was like, 
let me hear more about this. Ja-. All of a sudden, because I'm very like, oh, I'm one of the guys, like, yeah. talk to me, you know. And all of a sudden, I was like, hey. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> lost the plot a little bit. And um, he was like, hey, so I got to like draw this on you. Like, where are we going to put it? And mm. I was like, oh, um, and I let I like let go all of my sort of big <laughs> kind of idea of having it, you know, somewhere mm-hmm. visible. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, the producers want it on my hip, you know, which is like kind of sexy. Sorry, you know, yeah. whatever. And so I got like the super smoking hot guy to like, you know, fucking yeah. draw like on my hip, and it was hot. And mm-hmm. um, I was like, I don't know, I was gonna like marry him and like yeah. give, but you know to have children with make humans with them but it did um uh but yeah so so it was no, kind that's of a like, great story you know there's a lot of other details too but um <laughs> but mostly uh I, I remember he he actually we both were kind of like i wasn't dating anyone but he was and so mm, of course i don't mm. you don't meet someone and go hi nice to meet you i'm dating someone you know so i yeah. didn't know that initially right. and i just remember being like he was very honorable um i don't think he knew i was like throwing shit at him at, mm, initially everything yeah. was very platonic you know well, and professional professional were, yeah. and um you know i uh and he was like oh i'm going to he basically was like i can do that i'm gonna draw this tattoo on and then i'm gonna get on a plane to mm. go to russia to run a marathon and we were like okay that is not the thing that i hear <laughs> a lot of people say about what their plans are yeah. you know and so everyone in the makeup trailer, we were all like, oh, we're going to have to give evidence of this, right? And I was like trying to get, I was like, not me only, but like all of us yeah. together. Yeah. <laughs> so we should probably, someone should get his email just yeah. for like pictorial evi- evidence. I'll do it. I'll Here, I'll give you my email. I'll give you my email. And then we could just like platonically uh, like email about this thing. And this was still, I did not know he was dating anyone. Anyway, the point is, it, I then found out and I was like, oh shit. <laughs> like walked way back. <laughs> Even though I was very like, thank you for your aforementioned photograph yeah. that you, you know. <laughs> but he did send me a photograph of him mm-hmm. just at the finish line wow. uh, in a Russian marathon. And then how long between how long between that and you guys actually getting together? It was like, uh, like two months or something, yeah. you know, because mm-hmm. he, you know, I was like, hey, man, um, like, I think I emailed him. It was super awkward, but mm-hmm. I was like very, I was like in therapy. I was like, hey, um, uh, I was like, he might think I'm crazy, but whatever. I was like, I think I'm too excited to see your, like, e- your name in my e- inbox. Mm. Um, so in a platonic way, I'd like to cut ties from all of our... <laughs> Correspondence. You were breaking up with him. Yeah, uh, yeah even though we would not, you know, and um, I was like, I respect your uh, relationship. I think I am too interested in your correspondence, so I am bowing out. And um, and I was like, so I'll see you around, and if you ever find yourself solo, you know, I'd love to buy me a steak dinner. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so he was like, oh, wow, that's, I don't know how to respond to an email that says mm-hmm. don't respond to me you know yeah, um and, yeah. but he respected that and we went separate ways and then two months later he was like i'd like to buy you a steak wow yeah that's great um so now you're out here you're making bless this mess yes uh, good <laughs> transition sexy right? pivot um okay <laughs> um uh yeah i'm here and, i'm doing it <laughs> uh so i want to talk about the show because you created it with uh with liz merriweather yes right? yeah um and 
how did you meet her? How long have you known her? I, I knew her. We did um, a movie called Fuck Buddies together, mm. which was widely known as No Strings Attached, but I prefer the previous the original title, title. The original title. Um, she was a writer on that movie? She, wrote, the, yeah. she wrote that, mm-hmm. that screenplay. And um, I was in it and played a version of her in it, mm. um, sort of a... I mean, you know, it was just deeply funny character that I was really obsessed with that had this sort of wonderful, like, motor mouth neuroses mm. and, like, would backtrack on things she said, but, like, still, like, somewhat quasi-powerful at the same time. So it was, like, a really interesting character, and I always was, like, very connected with Liz because I loved the mm. voice of the way she wrote this person, and um, we became friends. And then, um, and that was a movie that Ashton, uh, Ashton Kutcher and uh, Natalie Portman was in, just mm-hmm. to remind everyone, um, and Greta Gerwig and whatnot. Um, so, and Jake Johnson was actually in that. And so obviously she, he ended then, up in New Girl. Yeah, yeah. And I came on, I like stayed friends with Liz and we just never really worked together. I did it like a New Girl or mm-hmm. uh, once, but it wasn't like we were working yeah. together. I was doing my stuff. And then um, after doing two indie movies and like having two babies, you know, I sort of knew New Girl was like coming to an end. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, if I ever was going to do TV, I'd want to do it with her, yeah. you know, because she was just like a master or a mastress yeah. of um, uh, network television. And I was sort of interested in network television because it was the antithesis of what I had been doing. And mm-hmm. I wanted to. I was like, oh, okay, when you make indie movies, you have such a small audience, which mm-hmm. is not bad. It's just like I did – I've done that mm-hmm. twice and I was like, okay, that's very cool. And I would love to bring a sort of that kind of subtle or, you know, my own sensibility to a larger audience and mm-hmm. see how that fares yeah. and see if it's possible. You know what I mean? So it's not like – Oh, you know, network comedy only can be a you know a mm-hmm. certain type of comedy. I was like, yeah. ah, I'm just curious. Can and, we? And New Girl was kind of an example of that for yeah. you, maybe. Yeah, or... I mean, New Girl was like New Girl was really funny. It was really cool. Yeah. It was in the voice of um, you know Liz and her amazing writers, and I felt like there was it was appealing to a wide audience, but it also had something like very original and quirky and. Um, allowed you to still be really silly but mm. also grounded you know yeah. and i thrive to you know i strive to do that with bless this mess but then i wanted to add my sort of like visual um uh and tonal stamp on it mm-hmm. so you know i was like hey liz let's you know would you want to do that and she was like i've been waiting for you to call you know and then, <laughs> then we sat on a couch and we like started spitballing ideas and there was a myriad of things we wanted to do but we kept circling back to just we'd both been somewhat newly married or at least young in our in our marriage. Mm-hmm. And so we that's where uh, the most fodder for comedy sort of sort of kept gestating. You yeah. know, it was like out of the relationship stuff. Right. Like what's excruciating about being in a relationship and peeling back the onion and mm-hmm. what's excruciating about, you know, learning about someone that you love and the things that you loved about them now all of a sudden are the things that you're like, oh, my God. Oh, we're together forever. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. But we didn't want to, we didn't want to write something that was bickery. We don't want to see people fucking fighting. You know what I mean? It was, it was definitely, we wanted to put it in a place of idealism or rather um, optimism, I mm-hmm. should say. And um, so, so it's like optimism, but also realism. So it's like those two yeah. things, right? So you can play within that and be really silly, but in a deeply grounded place. And it can be visually very beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like I, you know, every day on set, I'm like, all right, let's like 
let's keep continue to challenge ourselves to not be like, well, we got to move so fast. It doesn't matter mm. if the wide doesn't look pretty. I'm like, yeah. let's just make the wide look beautiful, mm -hmm. you know, because yeah. we have this gorgeous, we shoot everything exterior and the concept of like this couple, this new age couple, you know, um, who are very like New Yorkery, you know, we've got your, your neurosis, mm. the neuroses represented by my character, which is like, you know, I'm like the Jewish New Yorker who mm. like, you know, really does things a certain way, but then prides herself on like her street smarts, you know, um, she thinks that'll really come in handy on a farm. <laughs> um, and like, you know, then Dax's character is like this kind of, um, he's like, you know, he grew up out there he got left this farm mm. and yeah, he, Dax he, Shepard. Dax, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Dax Shepard, um, plays Mike. Who's kind of like, uh, you know, he, he went, he had some, he took summers out there with his family and you know, he, he's from the suburbs of St. Louis. So he fancies himself as capable, mm. but of course he's been like a, a, a freelance, uh, music journalist in the city for mm. a very long time and wears yeah. tight jeans and, you know, applies lip balm occasionally, you know, so he's, he's, they're both sort of ill-equipped, but with great hope and, and a lot of, um, sort of optimism to, to take on this new and si this like beautiful kind of simpler life that offers air, you know, fresh air mm. and, you know, they've been cooped up in a, basement apartment and suffering through New York um, because it's kind of what you're you're like taught I don't know they grew up thinking that's the end mm. goal but they're like well we don't have to do that let's own a plot of dirt let's yeah. like does that come out of uh, you know a desire on your part oh, to kind yeah. of get out of the grind of, of yes. city life I mean absolutely that's when Liz and I kept talking about it, I was like oh man I just keep coming back to this idea of my husband, the Louisiana Bayou man, mm. um, is, you know, he's very capable and he's a prepper. And like he always is like, we need to have a plot of land. Mm -hmm. We need to have paper, paper maps in case, you know, the shit oh, hits wow, the yeah. fan. And like we got it, you know, he's got bug out mm. bags and the whole thing. Like you don't even know the half of it. <laughs> but um, he's got like ham radio. You know, mm -hmm. he's like he's prepared. Yeah. And he I I lo obviously like I think about. First of all, I'm first. I'm very grateful that I'm married to him because mm -hmm. I feel like if the shit does hit the fan, like yeah, you're, you're going to be in good shape. Yeah, yeah, like he's got it under control. Um, but yeah, I think he and I do dream about and daily talk. About, I mean, seriously, definitely weekly, but almost daily talk about like, well, where would we go and what mm -hmm. would we do and how? You know, there's a lot of fantasy in and around the idea of like, could we just like could home base be in a on a plot of dirt where we could just not have to be so immersed in technology mm -hmm. i think there is a mass exodus even just of of you know families going from urban environments to more rural environments mm -hmm. or even you've got your Brooklynites coming out to LA because they just want mm -hmm. more nature or whatever it is, yeah. right? Like we're we're so inundated with, I mean, obviously me, I rev at a high RPM. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Even just, <laughs> I feel like I'm talking so much. I apologize. I did have an espresso. But, um, you know, I think that that is, you know, we're, we're folded in, we're sewn into this kind of existence of moving very quickly mm -hmm. and it's what we're ingesting. It's, it's cultural, you know? Yeah. And so I think the natural evolution of that is to crave like slower, <laughs> a slower mm -hmm. pace and mm -hmm. a sort of more grounded existence in something that feels much more real, which is just, you know, the planet, <laughs> the yeah. earth, you know, dirt, whatever, right? Yeah. 
Oh my gosh. What? There's neighbor. There must be neighbors. There's people just like walking up to just like say hi and yeah. welcome us. What should I say? What should I say? Okay, so just start with hi. Okay. And then just kind of let it evolve from yeah. there. Yeah, just like. She was born and raised in New York. She's never said hi to a neighbor. This hi. is so fantastic. I'm so glad you're here for this. Come on in! Oh. <laughs> hi! I'm Kate Bowman. Oh, I'm Paul yes. Bowman and their son Jacob. I am their son Jacob. Yes, hey, hi. Oh, okay. Young Jacob. Rudy. Rudy. Can I offer you guys something? Um, we don't have much, but we have a little uh, uh, biscotti and Ooh. some unsweetened ginger beer. Fun spawn noodles. Also like a, a turmeric are, cracker. The red are so, gluten-free, um, as I recall. There's a, uh, uh, I think, an ashwagandha uh, hot drink. Anything uh, jumping out at you? Um, you also work with a lot of animals oh, on geez. the show. Yes. Do you, do you regret uh, <laughs> that, that, oh, that decision? That decision um, to include so many animals. You well, have you have a, no you have babies a, on the show. That's so true. that's true. <laughs> so we're all animals. But you know, they could at the future of the show. And Listen, you never know what's going to happen. Don't even get me started. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But I think uh, I'm like, are you pitching me right now? Yeah. Um, so season I think three, they have a baby. Season five. Um, Home birth. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, I have a lot to say on that. But the the animals on the show. It, 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 yeah, we have a lot of animals, and which it, it's sort of like, how did I end up? Liz and I are always like, how did we end up in a situation where the email inbox is like, goat on a waterbed, you know, side boob and snakes? Like, where it's just literally like the weirdest emails I've ever yeah. um, encountered. But yeah, we are constantly um, dealing with um, animals, and it's kind of fun. I mean, yeah. part of the reason that Liz and I were excited about it, I mean, she grew up in Michigan. I grew up always, like, I, I, I'm the kid who was, got bitten by dogs all the time because I would just go up and snuggle dogs that were like, mm-hmm. hey, buddy, like, cool it, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I kept going back, you know? I just, yeah. lo- I really kind of, I'm obsessed with animals. Like, mm-hmm. I love animals. I am interested in, I love people too, but yeah. I think animals are kind of better than people. <laughs> and um, I... I, you know, it is a really fun part of the job that I get to like mm. snuggle with piglets yeah. and like, yes, I'm executive producing and, and like directing and doing all that jazz, but, but I get to snuggle with piglets, mm. piglets and that is fun. And I feed little baby lambs on mm. the set. I mean, it's like we have a llama named Rosie, you know, it's. Does Dax enjoy the animals as much as you do? Or? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Dax is like. Look, he's a good sport. It's mm-hmm. a lot. Um, yeah. He he's mm-hmm. good. I don't think he's at the level that I am. I know his wife yeah. is also an animal um, mm-hmm. lover, so I think he's used to having ladies around him who are mm-hmm. fawning over all kinds of animals. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, as you said, you you set out to make a show about new marriage, and and I think there are some there are really interesting conversations in the show about that you know first few couple years of marriage and frank conversations about sex and relationships and and all that. Um, I mean, and that's something that I think in a, in a rare way for network TV, which is cool. Um, so, yeah. Did you, was see, that... did you see episode two? Yeah, episode two. <laughs> yeah, is what I'm thinking about. Yeah. Um, so maybe talk about that episode. Yeah. Like what, why did you, where did that come from and why did you want to want to do that? It was, re- I mean, I say every, almost every day to my writer room, I'm just like, it's important that, you know, among this silliness and among our fun shenanigans and, um, animal ridiculousness and goats on waterbed that that at the core of everything you know it's like we have to talk about real things right Mm -hmm. so um i feel like i'm in it for that i think you know uh, episode two which we're referring referring to is um it's called phase two 
and um, it's a an episode about sex and sex and relationships when you know you've you're cresting on the second year of your marriage and you know the first year was very um, romantic and a lot of sex all the time and then like well what happens like what is that is that like a plateau is that acclimatizing like why you know mm. and then just talking about priority is shifting and and then that's okay you know of course my character is a therapist so she's very like interested in the you know human condition as am I mm. um I would totally be a therapist if I was an actor um <laughs> and uh in a way I feel like I am um to myself uh but <laughs> But yeah, so I think this episode was really, really fun because very grounded and even like the stuff between Bo and Kay, aka Lennon Parham and David Keckner, who yeah. are ace comedians. Yeah, and I hope you talk to them as well. Yeah. I feel like you should get them in together. That'd Jesus be great. Christ, they are funny. Yeah. Um I, I literally the I, I I mean Lennon <laughs> Lennon says stuff and I it, we she's like the only person who will make me really, really break. Mm -hmm. Like she and she works with JT, who's a lot her son, mm -hmm. her son in it, and he just. I'm not like outing JT as as someone who breaks, but he would say it himself too. It's yeah. just it, it's, he can't keep it together. It's virtually yeah. it's very hard. His job <laughs> is very hard because he has Keckner and Lennon as yeah. his parents, mm -hmm. and they are just like lobbing out, mm -hmm. you know, um, comedy gold left and right. So, but anyway. Uh, yeah, the two of them also have incredibly beautiful, raw, real stuff mm -hmm. that's just good, like smack dab at 830 on ABC, you know what I mean, <laughs> on a Tuesday night. So it, it's kind of, it's cool. It's an opportunity to be real and, you know, cloak um, true, raw, real emotion and some cultural politics in a in in a show that has some hijinks and some shenanigans mm -hmm. and shenanigans and kind of allows us to reach a broader audience with that kind mm -hmm. of sort of cultural conversation. My God, when's the last time you two had sex? What? It's none of your business. We're roommates. No, we're not roommates. You ah. are temporarily staying here because you are separated from your wife. Whatever it is, I I've got a front row seat to your marriage and I'd like to give you some feedback. Oh, well, I have some feedback for you. Yeah. We don't want your feedback. Yes. What have you guys been married? Uh, almost two years? Two years, yeah. So um, honeymoon, over. Now you're into phase two. Really? Uh, how many phases are there? That's it. Phase two, then death. Bo, I'm a licensed therapist, mm -hmm. and I can assure you that Mike and I, we have a communicative, very healthy relationship. You two haven't lain together in three weeks. You're counting? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not appropriate. It's also, like, not accurate. I just don't want you two to become me. Staying in your idiot neighbor's house while all your stuff gets dropped off on a pallet in the front yard. Yeah, I also want to give a shout out to Ed Begley Jr., who is so funny on this okay. show. He is every... So when we do read-throughs, we do read-throughs every week with the episode that we're going to shoot the next week. And it's just kind of insane how he slays at those. Like, <laughs> he, he, he knows how to... He knows to pause like a motherfucker. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like he knows exactly where the comedy is within the silence. Like mm -hmm. he just he and also it's like the best comedy, right, is exercising restraint. Right. Mm -hmm. I have to I've told myself throughout my career because I can be a total maniac spaz. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, all I, I, I always tell myself it's like my mantra is like exercise restraint, even in writing. You know, it's like I can, you know, I, I'm always like the things that I like and I gravitate to. And the, when I pat myself on the back is when I 
put all the things that I thought were funny out there and then I restrain, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so he does that so gracefully and so instinctually. And he is, yes, been around a long time and has, you know, just the most phenomenal career on his sort of IMDb page. And so he has that experience. But yeah. This character is quite unique for him, and he gets to be as dry as possible. And he he was the first person we met with for oh, really? Rudy. Yeah, we like we were like, oh my god, Ed Bailey Jr. Like he's gonna come and meet us, you know. And so he came in, and in the way that he presented himself, we were just like, well, there's no point in meeting anyone yeah. else. But we have to. I mean, we can't not. But yeah. I, I, it's done, you know. Yeah. Same with Dax. We were like, let's just write it for like a Dax Shepard type. You know what I mean? Because it's like sweet mm-hmm. and funny and like, you know, he can like do all the stuff. He's like good looking. You know, let's just write it. And then and then, of course, we just were like, should we also offer it to him? Like, see if we'll just do it. Because yeah. that would be really easy just from a writing standpoint. Yeah. So um, had you known him before? I, the show? I did just from like like preschool drop offs. Mm-hmm. He says that we met before we met at some like. Fancy party or something a uh, mm. hundred years ago. I don't. Re- I, maybe I was inebriated. I don't know. Mm. I don't. Re- we were like waiting online to go to the bathroom. I sort of remember it, but I don't. I don't. I don't know. Mm. You know, it was like I really know him more from like being at preschool, dropping off and being like, "Hey, you're the other actor. What's up?" You know, like, <laughs> "Hey, hey, hey. Yeah. Good to see you." Yeah. And he's also into cars. You know, so I'd be mm. like, "Hey, man, uh, what do you got going on there? Is that a?" F-? <laughs> you know, it's just like we would. We had something in mm-hmm. common in that he's married to a bell, you know, I'm right, bet, you right, know, it was right. like, it was like, yeah, I like that name too. And I you was know, like, it, it was just, it, it, it was natural that mm-hmm. it, it worked and it, and it did. And Keckner, I knew I did a movie with Keckner a hundred years ago called good old fashioned orgy. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like a bunch of comedy folks over in, in William, ah, Williams, what is it? Um, Wilmington, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And that was really funny. Uh, um, movie that we did and I remembered him from that and, mm-hmm. and everything he does he yeah. makes me laugh yeah, and so Lennon funny. I knew personally I tend to just want to work with people that I know yeah. and that I love um, because <laughs> it, is, it is a great privilege right mm-hmm. you're just kind of like well I mean there's only so many hours in the day if I could mm-hmm. just hang out with the people that I love I want to give great credit though too to like the writers of the show because yeah. they I, I'm, we have an incredible group of people and that is a new experience for me because when you're writing indies, obviously you're alone mm-hmm. in a room yeah. and then this beautiful, magical experience of having this like team of creative people that you've curated, um, all in the same room and sharing, like sharing stories and, 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 and slugging it out together. That's very cool. Mm-hmm. Coming up. Lake talks about how she got started as a serious actor, but really found her voice when she got the opportunity to be funny on screen. So I want to go back a little bit and talk about, you know, sort of how you got to where you are now. Um, and since this is a comedy podcast, I mean, what were you were you always interested in doing comedy? Or when you started, what kind of actor, when you started thinking that you wanted to be an actor, what, what kind of stuff did you want to do? I mean, um, the start for me was was you know my I was like my parents are always annoyed when I talk about this but, um but my parents are divorced and they got divorced really young and then mm-hmm. that became like my brother and I were like best friends you know mm-hmm. and because we were like oh my god this shit is crazy like mm-hmm. let's just fucking yeah. team up and <laughs> let them be weird and um it was you know I feel like that's where I first started being like okay I actually have this like really interesting defense mechanism mm-hmm. this sort of that can kind of 
you know, shake up the room a little bit if I'm like goofy or funny or make a joke or, Mm -hmm. you know, entertain or something. So I had something called the Late Lake Show, which was really a procrastination tool before bed or whatever. But that was like the first time I was like, okay, I like making people laugh. Mm -hmm. And And this was um, performed for your brother or for for the family, anybody who was over, Mm -hmm. whatever. It was like, okay, like it's time to go to bed. And I'd be like, wait a minute, cause (laughs) late leg show's starting now, you know? And then I'd be like, you know, and then it would just be like, the first character is, you know, and I would just like go into a thing and be like, hey, can I get that shawl of yours, Mrs. Rolex? You know what? And it would just go into it. So that started at like six, I think, or like four, you know, from four to six. And then, and then, yeah. Anyway, so that that was. I remember being like, "Ooh, I like that thing mm. that you make people laugh, and it's fun, and it's and I'm addicted to it." And then, um, but I knew I wanted to be an actor. So mm. then it was like I went to drama school. My mom was like, "If you're gonna be an actor, if you're going to be an actor, you have to like study in England." And so. Mm. I was like, God damn it. Can't I just go out to L.A. and like do the thing? I don't know, like get a push up bra and fucking like <laughs> do like audition for Felicity. You know, is that what you wanted to do? Um, I don't know. I just thought like that was a way to start. Mm-hmm. And then you could just like fucking get to a place where people paid attention to you and then you could do whatever you want. You know, mm-hmm. it was like, <laughs> yeah, but it was a different time. You know, you're just like, can't you just like make a splash by being mm-hmm. like, hey, you know, like mm-hmm. and then you're like, all right, I actually have something to say. Yeah. Um, But of course, now hopefully it won't have to be that way. But. Yeah. I literally uh, went to drama school for a year. I and then had a summer in in LA. I was like, mm-hmm. oh shit, you know, I gotta, I gotta lead on on like a, you know, an advice from. I got advice from like a a manager. This amazing. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss woman who like allowed me to come out there and you know send me on some auditions and sure enough you know she was like put a push-up bra and go audition for Felicity I did get a call back um I did not get the role um but I remember her saying to me you know she was like yeah because I did start to get into the the like drama school um thing which Mm -hmm. is like you are a blank canvas, right? Like you, you wear all black and you neutralize your voice. And mm-hmm. of course, neutralizing your voice in England is like receive pronunciation, which is RP, which is not neutral in this town. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so they there was this whole, like I remember f- going to auditions in all black and being like no makeup blank canvas. Like I got obsessed yeah. with that. And that's not necessarily no. what they were looking that for. does not work in LA. <laughs> um, and she literally was like, you have to wear like a ton of mascara and mm-hmm. like get your shit together and look gorgeous. I was like, well, what if I'm playing like, you know, the victim, like a like widow or something? They're like, yeah, you need to look 
gorgeous. They, like, they want a gorgeous widow. Yeah, yeah you got to be. And I was like, but she's supposed to be haggard and she's like an addict. Gorgeous widow, haggard addict. I was like, mm-hmm. I am so confused right now. You know, sorry. That was a different time. Was that frustrating? I mean, they, I mean, it was like, I just was like, this is hilarious. You mm-hmm. know, I was just like doing it, you know, mm-hmm. and I felt like. I say it was really a different time because it really was like that Mm -hmm. kind of concept is not anymore, in my opinion. Like, I I would feel that would be weird if you went in Mm -hmm. (laughs) as a, you know. Yeah. But do you think that young actors are still getting that same advice? I I think I think that I I don't know. I Mm -hmm. think that for TV, there was this concept that like. Everyone had to be beautiful all the time, mm-hmm. right? And I don't think TV is like that anymore. Yeah. I think it's like you can be real. You should look like a person, mm-hmm. you know? And certainly when I cast as a director, I'm like, I am very turned off by when people come in looking like a model, but male or female. I'm like, mm-hmm. what is that? Like, who can, you know? So anyway, I ended up doing a bunch of drama stuff um, because I was coming out of drama school mm-hmm. and I was like conservatory trained and that, you know, I had been in the machine of that and then. Everyone was like, couldn't get an, a comedy audition. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, I got um, I got Mismatch was kind of like one of my first comedy bits, which mm-hmm. was like this show with, um, it was a Darren Star show. I played like the brunette best friend to Elisa Silverstone. Mm-hmm. And I was super slutty and like the butt of most comedy. This so. is post Clueless, I, I... Uh, yes. Yeah. 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 And I was, yeah. And that was, that was great. Mm-hmm. I was all of a sudden like, hello. Like, <laughs> I want to make fun of, I'll be whatever, like booby or whatever, but I'm going to fucking was that be the, ridiculous. Was that the first time that you felt like you really got to be funny on screen? Or is there something else that. that For sure. That? I mean, that was like, that was the first time that I, you know, day in, day out, like my job was to be the comedic, you know, she, you know, Alicia, who I'm still friends with, she was sort of like more of the straight woman. Mm-hmm. And like I got to be like the funny best friend, which, I, you know, I, I had done. There was like indie movies there where they'd, uh, they would give me the audition for the girl, you know, and I was like, I, I'm just gravitating towards the wacky best friend. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, can I just audition for that? They're like, yeah, but that's not the, you know. Yeah. So I, I think I just like wanted, I thought it was more interesting. I was like, I want to see a movie about the wacky best friend. Like, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> can yeah. we just see you, that movie? I think you played a lot of wacky best friends. Uh, totally. I mean, shit. I was loved it. You know, mm-hmm. it was so fun. And then like. Yeah, what happens in Vegas was like a, a really big turn for me. I think because I mm-hmm. met one of my, I met a lot of my best friends there, like Rob Cordry, Cameron Diaz. It was like that was a huge deal, and it was like a big movie. You know, it was a big movie mm-hmm. for me. So, and that was like, hey, this is a comedy person. You mm-hmm. know, and yeah. then Cordry and I obviously he asked me to do Children's Hospital, and then I was kind of off to the races a little bit. Yeah, Children's Hospital seems like it was a big turning point. Um, for your career in terms of getting uh, in, into that comedy world. And that's such like a comedy person show. I know. And, um, it's... and so many great guest stars and just people that have been on it. Um, and then you ended up uh, directing on oh, that yeah. show too. So was that some of the first directing that you did or how did I that actually, happen? The, um, but you're right. Yeah. It was an, an amazing, like I felt really lucky to be kind of asked to get into that world. And it really just, it genuinely made me happy. It was like a first, like, Oh, I choose life. You know, mm-hmm. it was, it, you know, mm-hmm. doing comedy is genuinely fun and yeah. and um, and making people <laughs> laugh and enjoy themselves that way. was really fun. Um, and especially with uh, especially with with Children's Hospital, which is so absurdist, mm-hmm. you know, there's no logic. And that was really satisfying, yeah. you mm-hmm. know. Um, well, in dramas is so logical, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, you can't do this. You can't say that. And we could do anything. <laughs> yeah, we no rules on Children's Hospital. No, none. 
But we all have brains, and brains are messy things filled with jelly. And although jelly is sweet, it made me do a silly thing. I broke up with Glenn. What? Why? He's the hottest doctor at Children's. I just can't imagine spending every Christmas with a Jew, you know? Lighting candles all the time, telling knock-knock jokes. Totally. Driving minivans, reading books. Right? I'm gonna break up with Owen. Why? Well, you broke up with Glenn. We're roommates. That would be totally confusing. Right. How are you gonna do it? I don't know. I need to think of a good lie. Ah, I wish you were Jewish. And so um, that tight-knit, we became very tight-knit, too. Mm -hmm. So um, what happened was I ended up, I felt very empowered, I think. I felt very, you know, comfortable in my skin and in what I was doing. And then I started, I had been writing like in a closet fashion for many years. I had Mm -hmm. a myriad of of other things that had been in different states of development. Like I had a, um, a dramedy script that I had written with this other woman that I had set up with fancy producers and had like Christopher Walken attack. I had like I had other things percolating mm-hmm. in my early twenties, but yeah. they would dissipate because I lost fi- financing or there was a problem or you know. Yeah. And so I'd been writing forever, but I I never thought to direct until quote later when I got older or something, mm-hmm. right? And then I my I had written in a world, and I writ I wrote in a world when I was shooting um, what happens in Vegas. I'm sorry when I was shooting um, How to Make It in America. Mm-hmm. Because I was just in that show. I wasn't, like, directing or producing or anything. So, so I just had time. a lot of time. Yeah. yeah, and it was a creative space. And so I had presented that to my agents. I was like, you know, I really want to make this movie. I want to star in this movie. I want to produce it. And they're like, well, let's shop for directors. I was like, great, let's shop for I was like... Were you, you thinking know, that you wanted to direct it at that point? I, ju- I didn't know. I, I, I just was like, I, that's a lot. I, mm. and I had never directed before, and I was like... I kept it was it was that thing of like I, I respect the process. I've never done it before, and with all due respect, like I don't want to direct until I've directed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then my agent was like, "Well, well it doesn't like, work like it that. doesn't work like that." And he's like, "Why don't you?" Um, he's like, "Why don't you write a short film and direct that?" Mm-hmm. And so I was like, "That's a fucking genius idea." <laughs> I went home that night and was like, ba da da ba and yeah. like pounded out this short film that I had had an idea for mm-hmm. called Worst Enemy. Yeah, and um, I. T- invested in myself. I took out some money and I went, I found a producer, um, Jet Steiger, who I still work with. And he was the first person I worked with and I still do. And, mm-hmm. um, and I was like, I want to make this movie. And I said to Michaela, I was like, I wrote this, Michaela Watkins. Mm-hmm. I was like, I wrote this for you. Cause I was obsessed yeah. with her and we're friends. And, uh, I directed that and that went to Sundance and that, you know, yeah. won awards and it started, you know, it, it, it satiated something, in me, which was like, yes, you can do it. You're okay. You're good. And mm-hmm. by the way, not only can you do it, you love it. You yeah. know, it was like, oh shit. And it, so it proved it to yourself and to other people on the yeah. outside too, probably, who said, okay, now they we were like, oh, okay, yeah. And that became kind of like a visual and tonal calling card mm-hmm. for for in a world. Because yeah. then I was like, this is what I. This is the mm-hmm. tone. This is the pocket. This is what visually I want to do. And then so for financiers and stuff, I could mm-hmm. say, here's what it is. Uh, this is the star Lake Bell mm-hmm. I'm standing right in front of you mm-hmm. and so this is kind of what the package is and so when I made that short film just to get back to your question um, my f- friends you know um, Cordry and all and John Stern and David Wayne of you know the, the kind uh, of yeah, makers children's of hospital. Children's Hospital team were like we love you know we love this We would you direct Children's Hospital and then so I started directing Children's Hospital um, for a few seasons you know just mm-hmm. um, two episode blocks and things like that so yeah. 
that was like, you know, my sort of second acting gig. And then I was prepping on on In a World. And I was like, I want McKaylin in a world. I want Rob Corddry in yeah, a world. You've got everyone in that movie. Yeah. yeah. It's, I, it's so, I, I, I love that movie so much. Thank um, you. And I, I had seen it in the theaters and then I hadn't seen it until I rewatched it yesterday. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, which was really fun to kind of revisit okay. it. Um, and so, yeah, I definitely want to talk about that. Uh, so why was, where did that story come from and why was that something that you wanted to tell? I was obsessed with accents and dialects my whole life. It was mm-hmm. a huge part of what I thought an actor was, you know, and especially in my training and every, you know, in England, I, you know, early on I, I thought like, oh man, like accents and dialects and languages for that matter were like a gateway into magical places. You know, it's like you could be anyone, you know, mm-hmm. and it was very intoxicating to think like, Ooh, you know, especially in voiceover, you you know, you're not judged by how you're lo- how you look or, you know, mm-hmm. how tall you are, how thin you are, how whatever, your ethnicity, your gender, for that matter. Like mm-hmm. you could be a dude, you could be like anything, yeah. you could be an animal. You know, it's like mm-hmm. voiceover was so freeing. It was like the ultimate version of acting, you mm-hmm. know, and so and storytelling. So. I think I became obsessed with it. And then also just, you know, I had my own sort of cultural um, sort of opinions about um, or rather cultural and social opinions about where sort of um, the omniscient voice um, Mm -hmm. was in our society as, Mm -hmm. you know, at large where you have like, why is it that there's no female voices who kind of are the voice of God, you know, Mm. it's like, what's up with that, you know? And so that was just something that I, you know, became obsessed with. And then I thought that that very much um, echoed um, a sort of bone I had to pick with my lady comrades about this sort of trend in um, in the uh, sort of affectation that was kind of plaguing our gender. Over the next six weeks, uh, Lewis will be recording your voices and we will listen to your sounds evolve right before your very ears. Because women should sound like women, not baby dolls who end everything in a question. Let's make a statement. There is a, you know, there's like this thing, this affectation that they were putting on as if to say, like, I'm a child, so I'm sexy. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, what is that? And I, you know, I was obsessed with with um, women I would meet who had big girl voices. You know, I was like, oh, that that that's that feels like, oh, you're aging with grace or something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, why are we pr- trying to put this like kind of quasi childlike sexy baby thing? Mm-hmm. Is it something you encountered either like on auditions or on in, in life? I mean, it were... was, you know, during that time, you know, even just coming up in Hollywood, it was like, you know, it was like Paris Hilton was mm-hmm. the was the rage, you know, mm-hmm. and that there was like a whole kind of trend in that culture and um s- you know, vibe, you know, so that was, you know, it was like really, you know, it, it was, it was diminutive, you know, mm-hmm. and I was like, well, it was, fe- it was a feminist issue for me because yeah. I, I just felt like as you grow up, your voice grows with you, you know, so mm-hmm. that's just, nor- that's, would be normal, you know, and I remember thinking like Lauren Bacall back in the day, it's like, she was like fucking 24 and she was mm-hmm. like, you know how to whistle. To-. I mean, she had like mm-hmm. the sexiest, yeah. lowest voice and you were like, I need to 
make out with you. You know, <laughs> like, but you, you don't sound like a little girl. Like, why yeah. do you want to smooch a little girl? What? Like, it just felt like an issue. And so I, I felt that there was a lot to say in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And so um, in a world was definitely a space where I could express all those things. Yeah, I mean, the movie has a lot, is a lot about sexism in the voiceover industry, yes, um, sure. but also feels like a, a parable sort of for the larger sexism in Hollywood. And it's yeah. the movie's only you know six years old, but it's pre Me Too, and it's a lot has happened since the movie came out. Yeah. Do you feel like you've seen changes in the industry at large in those six years? I mean. A thousand percent. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that, you know, there's it was it was almost like an it was a very sort of at at the time of in a world. It was kind of like, oh, my God, like that's that's a conversation we're not like fully having. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was sort of shocked by it. I guess, you know, I sort of thought, yeah, I'm going to talk about some, you know, sort of. Um, social politics and things like that, but I was actually surprised at the reaction of from it. Um, mm-hmm. Just you know, Gina Davis's speech, you know, about kind of this like quasi double standard about like I, I'm going to hire you not because you're the best for the job, but because I want young women to see themselves as an authority and to be the voice of you mm-hmm. know the next generation. It, it was like. Those were things I was trying to wrestle with, which I was like, oh, that is interesting. And and what is it with women, you know, uh, having trouble kind of lending a hand? You know, they're like, damn it, I got here on my own. You mm-hmm. do it, too. You yeah. know, Whoa. It's, so, it's so interesting that it's Gina Davis, too, because she's become yeah. such a leader in terms of, in, you know, pay equity in Hollywood mm-hmm. and all this stuff. Were those conversations she was at that the you, time, you yeah. had about with her at that time? Or It was. I didn't know when I cast her, when I asked her to mm-hmm. do it. I... I found out very shortly after, you know, talking to her, she said, you know, this is like really, this is like Mm -hmm. pinpoints exactly what I am working towards. Um, And so it it was just built in and a really interesting conversation for her, but also resonated in in layered ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, A sillier question about the movie that occurred to me when I was watching yesterday. Is there a story behind Ken Marino kissing your nose? (laughs) There there is. Um, Yeah. Um, yes. So Ken, uh, Ken, obviously, and I were on Children's Hospital together uh, for many years. Mm -hmm. And when we did the movie, you know, I asked him to come and play uh, Gustav and he was super jazzed and we had a great time doing it. And he was like, you know, before the makeout scene, he was kind of like, you know, I was like, hey, man, I was like, this is weird because we're like friends, but I think we have to like kind of go for it, you know, and and I think Gustav has to you have to feel like Gustav is like sexy and like, mm-hmm. you know, like you, it, it's complicated. You know, he's like you're annoyed with him and you hate him, but you also kind of like get it, you mm-hmm. know, like that she would sleep with him. And um, and he was like, um, yeah, about that. I just I have a question. That, you know, I just have a pitch. I just want to throw it out there. <laughs> and he was like, is it OK if like if I like put my mouth around your nose <laughs> and like I was like what do you mean like like suck like suck my nose and he was like yeah can I is that is that okay or and I was like yeah man um yeah for sure for sure um and he uh and and so we like we start shooting and and uh, and he he goes for it and, and and we did one take and I was like okay okay first of all it's a genius fucking thing that you've just done. And I was like, I think the key here to this, Ken, is you have to do it twice. <laughs> because what's going to happen is you're going to do it and it's going to be like, did he just 
Did, he did mean, I see did, that did right? He mean yeah, to do like, that or was yeah. That? And so I was like, I think let's work together here. I think I need you to do it again mm-hmm. <laughs> after you do it, so that we can all go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he fucking meant yep. to do that, mm-hmm. you know. And so, so it was really fun. It was like a fun collaborative, yeah. nose sucking thing. <laughs> so, um, so you, you know, you directed that movie. You obviously you directed um, another movie after that. Since then, I do until I don't. Um, and you're directing on Bless This Mess. And mm-hmm. are there, um, are there other, are there sort of dream directing projects in your in your head that you're wanting to do, or genres, or just in general, like what what are the things that you that you want to do? Yeah, I mean, it's forever. I'm like a I'm forever obsessed. You know, mm-hmm. it's like once you are a part of, I don't know. I've, I've, I love, I love to direct so much. Mm-hmm. I do the magic of like, and, and I love writing things and having them come to fruition and like building the team to, you know, it's like mm-hmm. the whole kind of community of it and the kind of kinetic energy of assembling this team and then we're going to go forth and we're going to, you know, wear comfortable mm-hmm. shoes and wear fanny packs and get this shit done. <laughs> you know, it's like that part of it is um, infectious and and I will forever do it. Um, the, the project, I mean, I do until I don't was crazy it was the first time i had directed with um first of all seven main characters and having uh babies you know i had a baby for the first yeah. time and i was like whoa okay you know it's like, yeah it's a really different experience and um i was i had a, actually bless this mess in a way is uh, just in terms of writing is definitely an extension of my conversation and thoughts about marriage which mm-hmm. i have lots of complicated thoughts about and i think it will be a forever discussion mm-hmm. because marriage is Totally crazy and um, worth and worthy of, you know, continued creative discussion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, I, yeah, I have a myriad of projects, you know, especially when I'm working on something, you know, like I was telling you, I wrote in a world while I was working on how to make it in America. I tend to, and like kind of, if you want to get anything done, you ask a busy person, you know, it's like mm-hmm. I multitask and, yeah. and I, it is part of who I am and I rev at a high RPM and like <laughs> I um I have a ton of projects that I'm that I'm that I'm courting or that I'm have different it, in various states of ready, you know, in development. Um, but yeah, I think that the coolest part of doing what we do is um, being able to participate in multiple types of genres. You know, yeah. it's like I don't want to do the same thing. Um, yeah. You know. And I think that and different mediums and different platforms, because Mm -hmm. it is cool. We have a lot of different options these days where you can access um, people in different ways. And I'm really, uh, you know, I was overwhelmed with it before where I was kind of like, oh, man, like, how can I I went I'm like a conservative, you know, I'm a trained in a conservatory. And like all of a sudden I I might lose a a role because this person has X amount of million followers on Instagram. You know, that was when I was coming up. I started to feel like, oh, you know, but then as a director, I'm like, oh, I love that guy. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. or I love that gal. She's so funny. I watch Mm -hmm. her on Instagram and I love her and I've cast people from Instagram now, you know. So I think it's exciting to be in a time like that where people can be very sort of on the front foot of their own careers and destinies. And and um, when people ask for advice and things like that, I'm like, it's, I know that you that you people have the ability to just generate content and mm. you can do it. Um, but it takes effort, you know. Coming up, Lake tells the story of how she tried and ultimately failed to improvise with Meryl Streep on the set of the movie It's Complicated. So what I want to do now is kind of run through a few of things from your uh, career that we didn't get to talk about. And Ooh. if there's a sort of story or memory that, that pops out about it. Um, okay. 
So uh, I believe your first TV role was on ER. Oh, yeah. Is that correct? That is very true. What do you remember from that experience? That was literally the first thing I got calfed in. I was, I thought, I was like, I have made it. Um, I, I happened to be cast in the one episode that they took to Chicago. It was very cool. Um, mm. I got to see Chicago. I thought, this is like, I'm fancy. Okay. <laughs> I think I was 22. And um, I remember it was a big, long, steady cam shot where it was like one of those opening shots. My first scene uh, out of the gate in Hollywood was this big ER, like long, I think it was like two minutes long or something of just like the gurney comes in, you know, the steadies follow it and then you hit to this and this person passes off and this this extra runs through and then da da da. And then the, and then the camera follows and pans and, and then lands on me. Mm-hmm. Um and I have to throw up off camera. <laughs> so I had to hold like pea soup in my mouth for like two minutes until it landed on me. And then I had to be like, oh, feel well. And then, <laughs> so that was like my That's baby. a lot of pressure to be the end of one of oh those. Oh my God, uh, I was so scared. I yeah. was so scared. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the next thing I want to talk about, which is, is very important uh, to me because it is my wife's absolute favorite movie of all time is uh, It's Complicated. Okay. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. She tells people it's The Graduate, but it's actually uh, It's Complicated. So. <laughs> oh, okay. Fair news. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I love the movie as well. And because it's her favorite, I've seen it many, many times. Yeah. Um, and so that movie, you you get to uh, act opposite Meryl Streep. Yeah. You get to dance uh, with Steve Martin. Yeah. I mean, listen. You, uh, <laughs> you're married to Alec Baldwin. There's a lot going on. A lot of heavy hitters. Listen, yeah. I... <laughs> That was, yeah, my first day of shooting that. And it's like Nancy Meyer. I mean, the mm-hmm. whole thing yeah. was just a lot of like, I was like <laughs> in the deep end. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I got on set and my first scene out of the gate in that movie was the one where Meryl and Steve are are high on mm-hmm. marijuana. Great scene. Yeah. And there's <laughs> me and um, Alec. And I'm supposed to kind of exude this high status mm-hmm. as Agnes and kind of look down, look my look down my nose at Meryl fucking mm-hmm. street. And <laughs> I was st- listen, I'm like, couldn't be big, a bigger super fan. Like, I just I mean, we all are right. Like mm-hmm. for fucking sake, like she should run for president. The point is, she's fantastic. She's so not it's like we all know. Not only is she just like the most incredible accomplished actress but she's just also like a phenomenal human Mm -hmm. um and is makes the world a better place um so anyway i got there and um i knew my lines and but i also you know in the audition um nancy had me uh, uh, improvise quite a lot Mm -hmm. so i was like oh okay cool so i'm like here to kind of do some of that um i get it i get it so i (laughs) was um in rehearsal with Meryl um, and all of them, I was doing my lines, but I was improvising because I really thought that's what I was meant to do mm-hmm. um, per my audition. So um, I was improvising and people were kicking th- things back. And, um, you know, the script supervisor came t- over to me and she was like, hey, um, so I just want to look at and I want to show you the lines here. Um, <laughs> just so you know, to, these are the actual lines. And I was like, oh, OK, I was just like improvising and like because I thought. Mm-hmm. You know, just like throwing in some extra stuff. Should I not do that? And she was like, no, no, no. Yeah, we don't do that here. And I was like, <laughs> oh, oh, okay, okay. Um, it was just like Meryl was sort of saying some stuff and I was saying some stuff back and I was like kind of enjoying that. And she was like, Meryl was improvising? Okay, I have to go tell her that we have to get on book. I was like, no, 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 wait, wait, let's stop, stop, stop. Yeah. Come back here, come back here. 
I am not tattletaling on Meryl. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying that 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 she said stuff and I wanted to say stuff back, but we don't have to do that. Please don't call me that, please. <laughs> and so, you know, that was kind of my first day. And so and then I got in there and I said the word perfect, but that was scary and I didn't know. And everybody who has worked with Nancy Myers will know that she is word perfect. Mm. I didn't know that because mm. in my audition it was different. So I, f- I learned that really quickly. Yeah. And um so no, then, no, imp- no improvisation got into the movie. Uh, I had like one. I mean, it's yeah. very. It's it, mm-hmm. there. She's just not. That's not like mm-hmm. the vibe of that type of. Um, like I do a lot mm-hmm. of comedy. That that's exactly what you're supposed to do. Yeah. And, and in in Nancy Myers, she likes it almost like a like a play. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. And so. Um, Anyway, so and at some point, you know, then I got kind of in my head about it. And then I was mm-hmm. just like, oh, my God, I'm talking to Meryl Streep. You know, and then I just and, and Nancy Myers had to pull me aside. <laughs> and she was like, hey, snap out of it. <laughs> Get it together. And I was like, yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. I, I'm going to I'm just I'm, I'm just she's like, get it together. I was like, okay, cool. So then I like went back and then mm-hmm. finally you like slapped myself in the face. And I was like, okay, high status, high status, high status. You know, and then I got through the scene. By the way, how great is this party? Let's be the last one. Okay. Oh. Hey, there's your ex-husband. Oh. Headed right toward us. Not a great time to be feeling groovy. <laughs> oh. Why so intense, big fella? Hello, Jane. Hi. Hey. Adam, good to see you again. Hi. Adam, this is Agnes, Jake's wife. Hi. Hey. That's such an odd sentence for me to say, since that was me for most of my life. I mean, seriously, how weird is that? Both of us married to the same man. Hey, what are you going to do? Why go there? Because there... It's fascinating. I mean, if you think about it, it sort of links us in a sort of cosmic, crazy way. Doesn't it, Agnes? I mean, of all men on the planet, what did I do to this guy? Yeah, 25 years apart. I know you are having, like, a, an aha moment, but I think I'm going to get a refill. Adam, good meeting you. Great meeting you. Oh. <laughs> And then I ended up really like, you know, I, I, you know, Meryl was obviously very gracious and very cool and she's very used to people feeling mm-hmm. that way. And I got through the movie and then, you know, later on, I know her daughters and, and then uh, she, I ended up presenting an award for her. Like she, they asked me to present an award for her at this event one, mm-hmm. and I was like, you know, so then I like kind of grew up a little bit about mm-hmm. it and I was like, yeah, I just, you know, I was know she, Meryl's uh, <laughs> Was she nice on the set? Because I know there's stories like in Devil Wears Prada, she's like very in character and like not. Oh, she's like, just, like but and she and you, you and her character are kind of at odds in the movie, so I wasn't sure. Oh no, no, it was she was phenomenal. She yeah. was like, yeah, there was no, you know, she's she's like. She she's like a consummate professional. I'm sure she. I don't know. You know, I don't know anyone who had worked on Devil Wears Prada, but I think that you know, I think we can all just say that like Meryl, like there's. I have no complaints with Meryl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so the other thing I wanted to ask you about is the Wet Hot American Summer reboot, mm. which was so much fun. Um, and you get to play opposite David Wayne, uh, his Israeli counselor, in that, which is really fun. Um, I mean, David and I are like 
over like like family at this point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what was that? What was it like to, because you hadn't been in the original. So what was it like to kind of go into the, this world? Yeah. I mean, we did because I had, you know, I did. So we did. I, yeah, I did um, both Wet Hot American yeah. Summer series um, reboots. And um, I, you know, David is, you know, I was part of the children's hospital world. So at this point, like we all kind of were putting each other in each other's stuff or having mm-hmm. e- everyone's directing everybody's stuff, you know, and it felt like, um, like family, you know. So mm-hmm. I, um, when they asked me to be a part of it, I was super jazzed because I do, you know, I did love what happened American Summer mm-hmm. and um, I love the idea of the reboot. And I was pregnant for both. No, I had just had my baby for the first one. And then so I was like nursing for the first one. And then the second one, I'm actually pregnant when we're doing that like weird, there's like this weird kind of make out threesome, threesome, thing, but yeah. like without like with cloaks and masks, it was so <laughs> effed up. And I was like pregnant. I was like, you guys are, this is insane. <laughs> um, but you know, it was, it was really fun to do. And I, I think um, David and I really enjoy each other. So it, it's great. Like anytime those guys say, Hey, mm-hmm. you want to, I'm like, sure, whatever it is, like, yeah. you know, I, I love that sentence. David got to be in the, in the series since he, he you know, he directed I know. the movie, but wasn't in it. I know. And he's so good. Yeah. He's so good. So funny. Yeah. He's just, he was in, he was in children's hospital too. Yeah. He played uh, the rabbi. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way we end every episode is Rabbi uh, McJewy is who he played. <laughs> so just for a fun fact. Um, so the way we end every episode is uh, I ask the guests, what's the last piece of comedy that made you laugh really hard? So you can think of it kind of as a, a recommendation to, to listeners of something oh. they should check out that, that you thought was really funny. Oh, shit. Well, you know, I'm a mama too. Um, <laughs> I, I look, I'm going to shameless plug. Uh <laughs> No, I think I think that um, I, you know if you haven't checked out Bless This, well, mm-hmm, listen. Mm-hmm. If you haven't, and you're like, ah, oh, I don't know, it's like network. I don't want to watch it. Just, <laughs> just, 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 just fucking get your knickers out of a twist and um, and give it a go because it is legitimately like I think it's funny. Okay, mm-hmm. and so if you can just get through the fact that it's something, maybe you're not used to ingesting your comedy from a network space. Mm-hmm. Give it a chance because it is. Um, you know, made from the brains of a lot of the indie sort of alt comedy pe- things that you do like. So you got to give it a chance. Yeah, because I I swear I I just I feel like I it's funny I feel like Lennon alone like I just want to write for Lennon. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like yeah. Lennon is my oh god yeah. she makes me laugh. Yeah, she's great. She's great, and she's like very well used in the show mm-hmm. if you, you know what mm-hmm. I mean yeah awesome well thank you so much for, for doing this today it was really fun talking to you amen thank you very much namaste <laughs> thanks again to Lake Bell you can watch Bless This Mess every Tuesday night at 8.30pm on ABC and if you haven't seen In a World I definitely recommend checking that out as well it's available on iTunes or Amazon or, or anywhere you rent movies online And I'm really looking forward to whatever movie Lake ends up directing next. If you enjoy this show, please tell your friends and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Wilstein and at TheDailyBeast.com. The Last Laugh is distributed by Himalaya Media for The Daily Beast. It's produced by Jason Smith and Scott Porch for Starburns Audio and edited by Mackenzie Mazel. Our theme music is by Claude, who you can find on Instagram at Claude.mp3. You can find the show every week on Apple Podcasts, the Himalaya app, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can find show notes and highlights from each episode on thedailybeast.com. See you next week.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.